energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What's up, Activators? Welcome to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by the unstoppable Jonathan Yanez. Jonathan is an author and screenwriter who owns his own publishing and production company. Current projects in development range from foreign translations and audiobooks to film and video games. Jonathan, hello. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. I am really excited to have you. And when, so obviously Activated Authors is all very, very new at this point. You are guest numero uno. And when I was looking at guests to come back onto the scene and do some podcasting with and chat to, and specifically about, you know, productivity and what it means to be a, just a boss author, you were one of the first names to pop into my head. And you're someone that came on my previous podcast, Great Writer Share. You're someone that gets a lot of stuff done. And I thought there was no better place to start than to bring you on the show. So again, thank you for for coming on and giving me your time. And how how have things been since since we last caught up? The last time we chatted was actually at the beginning of the pandemic in uh, 2020. So what's been happening since then for you? Yeah, I mean, um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I remember our, our first conversation. I can remember it very distinctly. And uh, how when I first met you, I feel like I felt another kindred spirit. Like I know this guy is not going to give up. Like there's no give up in you. And I feel <laughs> like um, you're doing a service to help other authors too, that maybe we can encourage them along the way that, you know, no matter what happens along their journey, there will be ups and downs, but you can embrace that because mm-hmm. that's the journey as ups and downs. As long as you don't give up, you yes. can't be beaten. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, the pandemic hit and I feel like lately in my own career, I love seeing struggle from people that I respect because I feel like it's easy for us in social media only to put the good things. Like I'm only, you know, like if you look at my Instagram, I'm only going to the gym. I'm only waking up at 5 a.m. to work but I feel like I need to be more transparent. So like when the pandemic hit, I mean, we had to kind of reassess. There was um, one of our partners got hit pretty bad. So our income went down and we kind of had to take a step back and figure out, you know, what is going to work going forward. And we just kind of grinded 2020 out. We opened up some new uh, income streams. So we launched our foreign rights division of our publishing house in Germany. So we started having books translated and put out in Germany. We started our own audiobook company. So before this, we had been partnering with other audiobook publishers, and now we do a series ourselves. So making those moves helped fill the gap for the income that we we're missing from um, a partner being shut down from the pandemic. So it's been good. It's been a struggle, but I mean, I feel like that's part of the process. And I've been through enough ups and downs now where I realize that, you know, um, the only way that you can defeat somebody is if they give up and there's, there's no give up. I don't think in either one of us, Dan. Now we're going to be going, we're going to be going for a long time. And I will just, because it's going to be annoying me, I'm going to apologize for the hiss on my microphone because my computer is being very loud, but I'll do my best to, to minimize that. But I love, I, I do love that, you know, number one, like I, I definitely feel that sort of kindred spirit as well. And just that very much go, go, go with you. Um, and I like that, you know, when you are showing things on social media, like you say, a lot of it, you got to be careful to always be highlighting the positive because you give people sort of the wrong impression of what this kind of business entails. 
um, because, you know, there is a very sort of like glamorous side to being an author, but probably about 80 percent of it is just a hustle. It's just grind. It's just work. Um, and I like the fact that you do focus a lot on the journey during the pandemic. Like you say, a lot of things changed. You obviously had to alter circumstances with diversifying your income and, you know, finding a way to keep moving forward. What were sort of some of the struggling points? What were some of the, the tougher points for you in terms of change in routine, change in sort of schedule? And, and how did you overcome that during during that time? Yeah, so I mean, routine has been pretty consistent. So I try to wake up at 5 a.m. six days a week, so Monday through Saturday. And then um, that's before my family wakes up. I have two little ones and then my wife. So I try to get most of my work done between 5 a.m. and around 8-ish, 7.38 when they wake up. So, I mean, I have, it's on me to get as much as I can done in that two to three hour window. And um, I don't know if we talked about this last time. I used to think that time was our most valuable resource. And I realized that it was not. And when I made that realization that time is not our most valuable resource, it really helped kick up my production because I realized that focus is our most valuable resource. And that's kind of like where the same quality time comes in because I could spend time with my daughter, but if I'm on my phone half the time, you know, scrolling social media, doing whatever, it's not really focused time. It's not really quality time. So again, in the mornings, I could have those two to three hours where I'm writing, that's time. But if I'm on Facebook or if I'm messaging, return emails, it's not focused time. So I've kind of reoriented my mindset to realize that focus is our most valuable asset. So in the mornings, I just need to focus and I take responsibility on myself. It's on me whether these next chapters get written or not. And it's nobody else's fault except my own. And I think that there's some freedom in that too. There's, um, I don't know if I should tell the story, but I'm going to tell the story anyway, Dan. Yes, please. So, <laughs> so I'm trying to teach my daughter the same thing, just responsibility and that, you know what, there's nobody coming to do it for you. But the good news is that you are capable of doing it yourself and everything that you need is already inside of you. You just got to pull it out. So there was one day when my daughter's outside, this is a safe fortress that we built outside. So she has her little like a fortress that she's playing on. There's a rock wall for her, a little rock wall and a net that she can climb up. Totally safe. She's gone up and down herself before. However, this one day she's calling me from inside the house saying she can't get down. I was like, Joe, you can get down. I've seen you call, climb down the rock wall. I've seen you go down the net. You can get down. She's like, daddy, I can't, I can't do it. I told her, Joe, her name is Josephine. I call her Joe. I said, Joe, there's nobody coming to help you, but I have good news for you. You are capable of doing this self. I know you can do it. And guess what? She was able to get down herself. And I think about that myself all the time too. Kind of like what we were talking before earlier, you're saying that you have lessons that you want to pass down to your son. So those are a couple of lessons that I want to pass down to my children, that you are capable of doing it, things, hard things. And when other people come to you and say, oh, this is really hard, you can answer them the good. I only do hard things. That's what I think now in my business. Like, I really don't want to do it if it's easy anymore, if it's not going to be a challenge. It's supposed to be hard. So, um, so yeah, so that's a super long answer to your very short question. It's perfect. There'll be plenty more of those to come. But um, I, I absolutely love that. How, how old is your daughter, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so Joe is five and then Jackson is one. Yeah, so I've got a, my, my son's six and I'm kind of going through a lot of that sort of similar mentality stuff with him because I think we don't we don't realise the impact that our, our words and the way that we see things do really have on the kids. Um, and one thing that I do a lot is when Bailey gets very excited over something he done he does, 
I consistently try and push the fact that, yeah, that's because he's practiced, that's because he's tried, that's because he's developed rather than like, I don't like the idea of him growing up thinking that he's gifted at certain things and he's not in others. And so everything that he does achieve, I'm then like, okay, try and help him highlight that there were steps involved to get to where he wanted to be so that he knows that there's always the journey before you actually complete the thing. Um, and it's interesting. I, I never really thought of focus being sort of a, a currency, um, you know, that is more, more powerful than time. But I mean, you're absolutely right, because you could have all the time in the world, but then not really utilize it well. And I was speaking with a friend earlier about the fact that one of the most powerful changes I made in the last sort of six years was when um, I was in my full time job. And I can't remember where I picked it up from, but I heard on, on a podcast somewhere about what the, the point was made about how people spend, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours of, of their day at work and then they'll come home and they'll be exhausted and too exhausted to sort of like play with their kids or, you know, get involved. You're just tired from work. And this podcast kind of spun it and went, well, why are you giving your best hours and your best focus to your job rather than what your life is? And at the time I was getting up at six, half five, six in the morning writing. Then I was going to work Then I'd come back from work and I'd sort um, Bailey out, obviously a, a lot younger. And I'd always feel like I was half-assing it because at that point I was exhausted. I'd given everything to my day job. I was present in meetings. I was there. I was giving it. And it was a real shift to go, oh, hold on, just pull back on some of that energy because otherwise what's the point in you like what are you all doing it all for if you're not then gonna you know give it to your kids so i do i do really like that that point of of focus how how do you approach getting up in the morning and finding that focus because i know that that can be hard for a lot of people and particularly for me um i used to be uh, in a relationship with my son's mother i used to be working a lot and i was very much bound by the constrictions of you get up or you don't get the writing done whereas now that i'm full-time and i've got a bit more sort of leniency in my in my day schedule I do sometimes find that a bit harder, but I know there'll be people, be people out there that really struggle trying to get into that morning routine. So how, how do you find that energy to get up, especially on the days when it's hard and it is a struggle? I, um, I've thought a lot about you are what you tell yourself you are. And it took me a while to understand that. But um, are you familiar with Muhammad Ali when he would yell out, I am the greatest? Yes. Yes. That was like one of his taglines. And mm -hmm. I realized that maybe there's a conversation. Maybe he wasn't being cocky or he wasn't being full of himself. Maybe he was telling himself that so he would believe it. So I always think now when, you know, that five o'clock alarm goes off, I need to tell myself that I am that type of author. I am the author that wakes up at 5 a.m. That's just what I do. So instead of yelling that in my head, I am the greatest. I'm just telling myself, you wake up at five o'clock. That's what you do. Like, that's your truth. That's what you do day in and day out. So I think I've told myself that enough that I'm just the type of author who wakes up at 5 a.m. where I've almost tricked myself into believing it. That's just what I do. That's just like who I am. You know what I mean? It's almost like, uh, do you drink water? Yeah, of course. I, I drink water every day. Do you wake up at 5 a.m.? Yep, that, that's what I do. That's part of my process. So I think there's a great power in you are what you tell yourself you are. And that over time and with discipline and practice, you're able to achieve those early morning wake up calls are there any times when you do let that habit slide if it's just for a day or for a couple of days or is that something that you've managed to sort of consistently keep for an extended period of time yeah so i mean i feel that life is kind of like a roller coaster right ups and downs so there are times when my daughter's not feeling well and i'm up with her at you know three o'clock in the morning so i've also learned in that same regard where i am disciplined to also extend myself some grace because there's going to be times when, you know, um, she has like a nightmare at 2 a.m. and she wakes up. I can't tell her like, you know, go back to bed yourself. 
because I need to get my sleep because I have to wake up in three hours. So on those occasions, on those occasions, I extend myself some grace. And I've noticed now that because I'm so used to waking up at 5 a.m., even sleeping in for me is like 6 to 6.30. So even like if I turn my alarm off, I don't have my alarm going off. My body will naturally just wake up at 6 to 6.30 and that's when I work. And then again, I take full responsibility for that. So I tell myself like, hey, it's on you. You chose not to wake up at 5 a.m. So now you need to hit these things for today, regardless of whatever time you end. So to kind of give you an example away, because uh, my wife left her job to work for our company. So our day is kind of structured at, for, I work from five to one. And in that eight hour time is also my exercise time. So I also use, you know, like an hour, maybe like an hour to two hours with the changing and everything like that for exercise. I usually write for four hours. And then the rest of the time is like email, social media, posts and stuff like that. But those times where I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. where, if, you know, I'm up with my daughter or something's going on, um, it's on me to continue to work in the afternoon. So at one o'clock, I have a hard stop because that's when my wife does her job. So she does all our advertising. She works with the artists to do cover design. She works with um, like opening up new businesses, like what we're doing with audiobooks and foreign translations and movies now. So she works from one to three and then she has her gym time till about four. So at four o'clock, if all goes well, if I woke up at 5 a.m., all goes well, at four o'clock, both our work days are done. But if I did not wake up at 5 a.m., then it's on me at four o'clock to get back to the office and finish up whatever work before dinner or after dinner, like whatever it takes, whatever it takes, it's on me. I um, heard a quote from Michael Jordan. I think about it all the time. is isn't a quote, it's a story. So a reporter asked Michael Jordan, so the game is on the line. There's seconds left who takes the last shot? And Michael Jordan said, I take the last shot. Winners always want the ball. And I think to myself, if I can just, uh, Stephen Pressfield says the same thing. Stephen Pressfield wrote the uh, Art of War, the, the legend of Bagger Vance. Yeah. The War of Art, yeah. sorry, yeah. Art of War, Sun Tzu. War of Art, good thing you're here, Dan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Sun Tzu is the Art of War. Stephen Pressfield is the War of Art. So he says the same thing. He said throughout his time in the business with writing novels and writing screenplays that he's realized the more that he can be responsible for, the better off he'll be because he'll know he'll put in the work and rise to the occasion. So I think the same thing. Like I know that if it's on me, I'll come through all the time. So if my daughter's having a hard time, I can take that burden from her for being there for her, maybe missing that 5 a.m. wake up time. But then in the end, coming through at the end and still hitting those counts, those word counts for the day. That it really is one of the gifts of this kind of job, especially when you do hit the full time is having that flexibility, because I, I totally got what you mean. Like, obviously, kids are unpredictable. And I've had moments where I've been up late at night and you just, you know, you have to give your body that bit of extra rest just to recover from the night before. And just that leniency when the when the pandemic first hit and it was all homeschooling in, in the UK, that was such a, a gift to be able to go, okay, that just means I have to get up a bit earlier. I'll cram in as much work as I can before they wake up. And then for the rest of the day, you know, dad, school. And then, you know, if you can get some extra stuff in the evening, you can. Um, I mean, in all honesty, I, I do find it a bit more difficult personally because uh, when it comes to um, shifting the times that I do certain tasks now, and it's really strange because I didn't in my old job, I could kind of work in the morning and the evening, depending on, you know, what I wanted to get done. Whereas for some reason now I've got a real block with, if I don't have my words done in the morning and I have to then do them in the evening, they just pour so much more slowly. 
and it's just much more of a grind to do. Um, but I do, like I said, I do like that kind of um, flexibility of of this job. When it comes to, because you mentioned obviously, you know, audio book translations, foreign rights, all that stuff, which sounds really, really exciting. And I'd, I would love to tuck into that a little bit more in a bit. Um, you have quite a busy schedule and you have a lot going on. How do you manage workload to a point that it's manageable around, you know, being a parent and, you know, running the business and everything else that you're trying to do? Yeah. So I found that trying to do it all at once is too much. But what I do now is I find that I can work kind of like in blocks. So if I know that I'm working on a novel, I'll hit, so I write 4,000 words a day. So I'll write 4,000 words a day. And then any extra time I get to work on whatever new business, like a foreign translation that we're kicking off or an audiobook that we're kicking off or the movies now that we're starting to work on. So in that phase, until the book is finished, that's how I work. 4,000 words, whatever extra time you work on the new business. Once that book is finished, if I'm not working on a book currently or I'm not editing, I'll use kind of like these gaps in between books. So be like, okay, I'm in between books right now. So now I'm just going to grind on this new business for maybe like a week or a few days, whatever it is to get that business to the next level before I go dive back into whatever next novel I'm working on. And that's worked out really well. Um, one thing that I used to do that I don't do anymore is I used to work with as much time in the day as is possible. So I wouldn't have that kind of like five to one start time and end time. Uh, I would just give any free time was work time. And I realized that for me, because I feel like when people talk about burnout, I feel like burnout is different for everybody. Like my capacity might not be somebody else's capacity. I'm sure you and I have different capacities, different strengths and weaknesses. So for me, though, I realized that if I do a full eight hours or I get whatever done that needs to be done, then outside of that, yes, I could continue to work on like the next day for tomorrow. But like within the business that we're in, there's always going to be work. There will never not be work. So I need to shut down, make a conscious effort to shut down. Like, hey, I did my eight hours. I hit all my goals for the day. Just let it be. Tomorrow, you'll fight another battle. So I've just been concentrating on winning the day. And that's helped out a lot. And it's avoided burnout for me too, I think. So, um, you know, I, I get my things done. I get to hang out with my family. Exercise has helped a ton. I get to exercise. And I feel like everybody rests in different ways. I find rest with hanging out with my family and then also going to the gym and getting that exercise in and uh, getting those endorphins running. It makes me feel better and a lot healthier. And I feel like I sleep better at night too because I, uh, <laughs> I, I believe that if I go to bed, and I'm not tired, I've done something wrong that day. That means that day I didn't give it all at the gym. I didn't give it all to my family. I didn't give it all to my writing. If I'm laying in my bed, I'm like, oh, I can't sleep. I can, if I have energy to give, I can um, reassess what I'm doing day to day and go a little bit harder, give more. Cause I don't want to die full. I want to die empty knowing that I gave everything. I love that. Not heard anyone put it like that before. I really like that. Um, since you've you know, mentioned exercise and it's something that I'm always um, very interested because in, you uh, obviously are very well in shape. You go to the gym pretty regularly. Um, what does your workout schedule look like at the minute? Yeah. So uh, oh, going back to the conversation, we're talking about kind of like what did the pandemic change? So previous to the pandemic, I had always relied on going out to the gym. Gym shut down. So I was just working out in my garage. So, I mean, I didn't have anything. And that kind of taught me a lesson too, how reliant I was on going somewhere to exercise. So, you know, it was a lot of, you know, like push-ups and sit-ups and crunches and then stretching. I had 
stretched kind of like off and on when I was working out, but didn't really take it seriously. So during the pandemic, I had an opportunity. I'm like, okay, how can I use this to grow? And I had never really gotten into stretching. I started stretching. It's been a game changer for me. So I used to uh, work out by workout. I mean, lifting, mostly lifting and a little bit of cardio, maybe five days a week. So now I've gone down to just working four days a week, working out four days a week and, but activating um, a lot more stretching into my routine. And I feel so much better. Like I don't have any more pain in my back. Stretching almost feels like a, uh, a reward. Like it feels so good. It almost feels <laughs> wrong. Like, is this really working out? Like, is this really, um, you know, like what I'm doing for today? Like it doesn't feel right. Cause it feels so good. So what would you recommend as someone who has sort of been through the whole range of, you know, different types of exercise and different things to make your body feel better. Obviously writing, just in general as a career is pretty sedentary. Most people are sat down a lot unless, you know, you're into dictation and walking around. What would you recommend as a sort of bare minimum for someone who knows that they should be doing some form of exercise? Because we, we both know that, you know, exercise, it brings out those endorphins. It does help you feel better. And it just, you know, all around, it will help your writing because it, for me, once I've exercised, it makes my mind sharper for the next few hours and I can, you know, get down and just get into the zone and, and go for it. But what would you say as sort of like the bare minimum for someone to fit into their week as a kind of exercise routine, male and female? Yeah, I mean, I feel like everybody has everybody starts out at a different capacity. So I think it's important that you just give your 100 percent, whatever that means. If that means, you know, doing 50 pushups, that's your 100 percent. You should do 50 pushups. Does that means like doing pushups on your knees and getting maybe, you know, five in. If that's your 100%, then I think that's great. As long as you're giving your 100% and over time, your capacity for work, your 100% will grow. So I think if you're just starting off, I feel like listening to your body and doing what you can, you should never be in pain when you're exercising. Um, there's a difference, right? Between being in pain, there's a difference between, you know, feeling like muscles stretch, muscles burn if they're under pressure, like that's fine. But you should never be in pain. Um, so I think stretching is great. I think if you want to start off with maybe some crunches, uh, are great exercise for you squats, just regular squats, body exercises, and some push-ups. I think you can get a great workout with just those four things. If you did stretching, push-ups, squats, and crunches, and maybe throw in like some walk, a walk around the block or two walks around the block. Like it doesn't have to be a lot. I was talking to one of my um, friends who also reads my books and I was telling her like vitamin D, just getting outside. She's in hospice right now, so she can't do a whole lot, but I'm like, Hey, if you can just get outside and get some vitamin D, you know, for 15 minutes, that's great. That's a great first step. So she's tried that and she says it does make a difference. So I feel like whatever you can do, wherever you're at, as long as you're giving it your all, it will be enough. Yeah. I think the vitamin D thing is really underestimated because we often forget that, you know, as you know, humans, as animals, we were never really meant to always be inside. So just even in the morning going out and getting that. And there's a lot of podcasts that I listen to on sort of like health theory and stuff about, um, and I, I definitely am not sort of educated enough on the science of it, but just the act of getting up in the morning for 15 minutes and just, you know, activating your body and getting it going. It's just, it, it's just fundamental. But then on the flip side of that, obviously there's like sleep. How do you, because you mentioned that, you know, you like to go to bed tired. You like to feel like you've depleted all your energy stores. What does that look like in terms of your sleep and how do you ensure that you wake up feeling rested each morning? Yeah. So a normal routine for me is my daughter usually gets tucked in around eight to maybe like eight 20. And then by nine o'clock I'm in bed. So I try to sleep because I, I like sleep. I want to get my full eight hours. So I try to sleep from nine to five 
And most nights that works, right? Unless I need to get up because one of the kids, my wife needs help with one of the kids or something's going on. But usually, I mean, I sleep like a rock. So I'm out and then <laughs> that way I feel, you know, energized and uh, ready to go the next day. So I'm for me, again, people are different, but for me, I know my body well enough where it likes full eight hours. So um, another tip too, in my room, I have my alarm across the uh, bed for me. So I can't just like, it's not on my phone. It's a, it's an actual alarm. So I have to get up out of bed to go turn off the alarm and start the day. So that's another thing that kind of helps. Um, another thing that helps with sleep is I don't sleep with my phone next to me. I also put my phone on the other side of the room with the alarm. So it's not like I can be into my bed scrolling or anything like that. Like bed is just for sleep. So those things have helped a lot too. Very, very similar there. I also, uh, make sure that my phone's like on total mute because, um, I've, I've had examples in the past where just you get random notifications or like someone will phone you because they're drunk or something. And it's just like, it's just not worth waking up. Like I, I like to make sure that my sleep is uninterrupted and no one can bother me. So that helps. Dude, dude you know what a game changer was for me with that too, was um, getting rid of notifications. Cause I used to always mm. see like on my phone, I used to see the Facebook app or Instagram or whatever would have like a little number next to it. Like you have so many notifications or like there's somebody who messaged you. So I got rid of all those. So I don't have any push notifications on my phone. I don't have any notifications like on the app itself. Like I have to actually get in my phone, open up the app, go to messages and see those notifications. Because what was happening before I was kept on getting all these push notifications on my phone and I would constantly be picking up my phone to see like, oh, one person said something on Facebook, put down my phone, look at it again. Oh, two people said something on Instagram and I was always on it. So I got rid of that. My wife helped me get rid of that. And it's been a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I definitely need to do. One thing that I do find with them, um, especially Facebook messenger, for example, and this might've changed since I last tried, but you could only mute notifications for, I think it was like an eight hour period where it was like 16 hours. It was like, it was a limited period. So you couldn't just say notifications off. It was like for a day tops. And I was like, ah, oh, you're clever Zuckerberg. You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. <laughs> Talk to me um, a little about all of your you know, audio rights and all your translation stuff. Like what's going on there? How's it going? What kind of, things you're hoping to achieve with with your expansion yeah so i've seen a lot of production i'm interested in the production side like i always think of uh howard hughes so howard hughes built his empire on he created a drill that could drill down further and faster maybe just further than other drills to find oil so he didn't actually go get the oil he just had this drill and he um lent it out rented it out to other companies and other companies would pay him to use his drill. So I just kind of always think about that, the machine, right? He created a machine that was able to go down and get the oil. So I've always thought of businesses creating a machine. And for us, that would, you know, be able, we could put like um, an ebook into in the machine. I have everything in place where the machine kind of, you know, spits out a finished formatted ebook and I put it online. So I always think about opening up a new business as creating a machine where I can put like an audio book in like, Hey, we want to do an audio book. So we already have the narrator in place. We already have like the checks. We know we're going to go through, use ACX for it. So it's a machine that goes through a different process and kind of like spits out a final project on the other end. So with um, foreign translations, <laughs> I realize this a lot too. Dan, a lot of people want to tell you what you can't do, even though they've never done it themselves. Yes. So I, even friends, even friends, I won't say anybody's names, but I think of these people fondly when they come to mind, but they were telling me like, oh, you know, with foreign translations, it's really hard. You don't want to do it. It's going to take a lot of time. You don't know if you're going to get your investment back. And um, I found that nobody wants to be first. Everybody wants to be second. 
So everybody wants somebody else to go do it because they, they're too afraid to do it themselves. And they want to see that first guy fail and kind of see what he's doing and maybe talk to him and learn from him. And then they want to be second, right? And I've realized in my life, I'm just going to end up being the first guy. And I know that I'm not the first guy to do foreign translations myself. I mean, there's a lot of people doing foreign translations themselves. But in my circle, in my area, when I did do foreign translations, we uh, launched last January. So I was doing them like back half of 2019. We were getting everything ready to be able to launch in early 2020. So in 2019, I mean, it was very, the people I knew at least, there's only a handful of people doing foreign translations. We started in Germany doing German translations. So um, I just thought to myself, like, it's on me, right? Again, it's on me. This is going to rise or it's going to fail on me. And I like that. I like that. It gets, it gets me excited. So I just started um, networking with translators, figuring out what the prices were going to be, figuring out like a, a beta team to be able to read the translator's work to make sure that they didn't miss anything. Because I mean, you know this, even as authors, we need somebody to check our work, editors and beta readers, because nobody's perfect. Like I love my editor and she's not perfect and I don't expect her to be. So we need the like, different levels of um, editing along the way for, you know, a German translation now. So, I mean, I think Gary V said like Google's your mother, like Google's your best friend. So that's basically what I did. <laughs> I just, I just got online and just started searching, right? And put it in the time. There's a saying that you can have it good, fast, or cheap. So mine is good and cheap, but it wasn't fast. It took a long time, you know, getting, finding translators, finding translators who wanted to work on my books finding translators who wanted to work my books that weren't crazy expensive. So, I mean, it's out there. It's out there. You just got to put in some work and some time. It is a huge expansion. I do like that whole sort of, um, oh, what's the word? Like the pioneering attitude of just getting on and doing it. And yeah, I, I just think there's, you know, so much value, not only to the actual end process, but to the things that you're doing and the things you're learning. Because obviously over time, you're almost like confirming that it's worth it for you to keep going and taking that first step. Because there are people obviously who take that first step and then it doesn't quite pay off. And that's enough to stop them from trying again with another venture further down the line. Have you had anything like that that's, you know, failed or blown up in your face on that first attempt? And what did that look like? And how did you kind of bounce back from that? Oh yeah, Dan, you're inside my head right now. So we have, we're, <laughs> we're currently going through something like that right now. So we've had a video game, a mobile app, mobile game that's been in works now for maybe like two and a half years. So I partnered with a game producer who has, you know, who works with the people doing the code for the game. So everything was working out really well for maybe the first year, you know, we're getting levels back, we're able to play through levels on the phone, we're having meetings, we give the uh, coder engineer, you know, feedback, and he goes ahead and fixes everything. We got to the last step, Dan, the game was finished. Uh, it went out to betas, it went out to betas to go ahead and see if they could find any bugs. We got the uh, information back from the betas. So we're like right there. The last two steps are we need to implement the beta feedback of any bugs or anything they found playing the game. And we need to put it up on the store so we can launch it and start making some money off it, right? Our coder uh, goes dark because he lives in a different country. So he goes dark. We can't get a hold of him for a few months. Then we find out that he got COVID, like a really bad strain of COVID. So he's out for like six to nine months. He comes back and we're like, okay, let's, you know, you're healthy now. We're grateful that you're back. Health is most important. Let's, you know, get this back on track. Then uh, there's fires around where he lives. So he has to evacuate. So that's a few months later. So now we're like a year now of waiting. We couldn't get a hold of him. Then he had COVID, then he had to leave. So then he tells us he's not interested in working on the project anymore. 
So now we're, <laughs> so this is two years, a year of actual work, and then another year of just kind of being in limbo, trying to figure out what's going on. So now I'm working with the um, producer to find another coder for the game. And we have some options now and it's moving forward, but uh, that it's definitely been a struggle that that one has not been easy. Like I've, I've created audiobooks, our own audiobook imprint company in, in that time while the video games still be working out. We've launched Germany within that time. And now we're making movies and TV shows all within the time that the video game is still being worked on. So yeah, it always doesn't work out. It, it, it's not, it's not easy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What's your kind of, what's your um, end goal, I guess, with all of this? Because obviously, like you say, you've got the books, you're working on the films, you've got mobile games, you've got audio translation lights, you're, you're publishing sort of internationally. What is what is the big why for you? What is the reason that you keep on ticking in? Because obviously, like you mentioned that, you know, you do keep on pushing and you want every sort of day to count. What is, what is the big why for you that keeps you going? I feel that life is a gift, Dan. I feel like everybody doesn't have the opportunities that we do, whether physically or financially, or maybe the part of the world that they were born into. So I feel like of all the opportunities, and sure, your life and my life hasn't been perfect, but nobody's life is perfect, right? But when we look at just like everything that we've been given, our health and our families and our opportunities, like what excuse do we have not to give 100% every single day? Because there's a lot of people out there, Dan, who I feel like want to give more, but whatever situation they might be in, whether it's their health or whether it's a different country they live in or whether it's their financial status, they're unable to, or maybe like you and I were able to start here, but because of where they lived or where they were born, whatever, they have to start here. So I think to myself, like, what excuses do I have not to give everything every single day? There's none. I don't have any excuses not to give everything. Well, what excuse? That is a, a fantastic way to start rounding off the show. Um, I do have one more question. So I will say thank you so much for joining me for the first ever full episode of Activated Authors podcast. But before we go, can you please share with us the one big takeaway you'd like the activators who are listening to remember from our conversation today and then tell everyone where they can find out more about all that you're working on? Yeah, one big takeaway would be that other people want to put you in a box and other people want to tell you what you can and what you can't do. And to your point earlier, like you said, you feel like some people have maybe started a project or a process and it didn't work out. So they decided not to try anymore or like that's where they were going to stop and not going to do it again. And I feel like um, for those people that might have been their path, but for you, that doesn't have to be your path. You're supposed to fail and you're supposed to learn. So if other people are telling you like, oh, you can't do this. Maybe they can't do that, but that doesn't mean you can't do that. So I would just encourage other people to um, kind of like be your own hero. Like I'm telling my daughter, yes, you can do it. Yes, you can get down. I know you can do it because I think that greatness lies within all of us, but like how many of us are really going to dig deep to tear it out? Just like writing, right? Like sometimes the writing comes, sometimes the words come, the muse is talking to me. I have caffeine going. I'm listening to, um, what am I listening to? Some sort of like epic music going on in the background and I'm just, the words are flowing. Other times I feel like I am ripping the words out of my mind and I'm not thinking like, <laughs> oh man, I'm just like going to have to edit this so hard when I'm done, but I'm going through the motions anyway. I still go through the motions. I still get the words down. And it's funny because a lot of the times when I look back at those writing sessions, I can't remember when the words were flowing and when the words, I was like tearing them out of my skull to try to get them on the keyboard. So I think just, Keep on going through the motions. Don't let anybody tell you you can't. You are enough. Can you share with us some links for yourself? 
Oh yeah. So if you go to uh, <laughs> Jonathan-Yanyas.com, that's our website, which is like different uh, books that we have on different uh, merchandise, different projects going on. If you want to interact on social media, just Jonathan Yanyas, it's Y-A-N-E-Z on Facebook or Instagram. I'm always around. Perfect. Jonathan, once more, thank you for sharing your wisdom and passion with us this week. And to all you activated authors out there, we will catch you all on the flip side. Activate your energies.